Nervous Habits Bonus Content. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Nervous Habits Bonus Content. This is bonus episode 14 of the pod. Um, for new listeners who have, for one reason or the other, stumbled onto the podcast for the very first time during bonus episode 14, um, we're up to 64, I think, for the regular episodes. Uh, must be like, for, for new listeners, must be like, um, you know, starting. Uh, a comedy in the eighth season, or, or, or you know, a drama series in the third season, and you say, "Oh, do I have to watch the whole thing, or you know, do I have to go back and listen to the first podcast episode, or can I just sort of like get into it now?" You can definitely start listening now. You know, uh, stick with stick with this episode, stick with the pod, and see if see if you know it's worth for you going back and listening to uh, the other episodes. I find because I'm an avid listener of podcast myself. Usually what I'll do is I'll listen to like one of the more recent episodes, something in the last few months, and then if it catches my eye, if I can, you know, if it holds my interest for like a solid five, ten minutes, then rather than finish that episode, I go back, you know, the last three, four, five months, I find a guest or a topic that really speaks to me, I listen to that, and then if that one gets me, then I go back to the beginning and start from scratch. So that's sort of like my podcast listening OCD, but we welcome new fans, you know, fans from all over the world. Uh, wherever you're listening to uh, Nervous Habits, welcome to the Nervous Habits fam. Um, where to begin today? So it is mid-January. Um, this pod is coming out January 14, 2021. 2022! I don't even know what year it is. Um, so seeing as how it is the new year, I thought it'd be nice to kind of do like a 2021 roundup, preview the year ahead, and, you know, see where we end up in an hour or two, whenever, however long this podcast ends up. I mean, as you guys know, um, I don't necessarily, like, hit record and then when an hour. Like, like, some podcasters, some podcasters will record a podcast and it's always an hour, you know, and then at the 40-minute mark. Like, one of my favorites, Bill Burr, does the Monday Morning Podcast. And, of course, he's an icon. He's been doing it for, like, 15 years. But, like, he'll always say, how much time do I have left? And and it's – he's – he's and, and I say this with great admiration, but he's trying to fill a certain allotted amount of time. Um, and sometimes if he has more to say, the conversation almost feels cut short, right? But for me, what I like to do and, – and other podcasters do this as well. I just, I just talk until I can't talk anymore, until I have nothing else to say, run out of ideas, until I got to – you know, and, until I got to be somewhere, do something else. But uh, I mean, and usually I edit it down if it's a regular episode. But as you guys know, the bonus episodes are unscripted, unedited, unfiltered. So if this ends up being like a, you know, if I talk for two hours, you'll get a two-hour podcast, and it's up to you guys to um, jump around or to hit pause and hit play. Because what I like to do, and people think I'm crazy for this, but like if I'm, let's say I go on a run and I listen to the first twenty minutes of a podcast. Um, I'm not going to come back into my apartment and finish the podcast or whatever. I just hit pause, and then the, then the next day, if I'm cooking or cleaning, I resume at the 20 minute mark from the previous podcast. Um, I know a lot of other people like no matter what they're doing, they have to finish that podcast, or even like the next day, they can't go back. They they you know they can't go back to the old podcast. They have to start with something else. I, I you know I'm totally fine with just leaving off in the middle of the podcast and coming back later. So if that's what you guys are up to, if that's what you guys want to do, if you want to like take a pause at minute. 25 of this podcast and resume um you know in a week or something feel free you know it's it's uh it's it's 2022 in america you have the freedom to play and pause podcast at your leisure so when i think about like milestone moments in 2021 for me um really two things come to mind the first is that i secured a job for when i graduate from law school and the second is i adopted a puppy and 
honestly, like, like getting the job lined up for when I graduate was an enormous um, pressure sort of like lifted, lifted off of me because uh, of how much debt I'm staring down when I graduate. And like, I didn't want to be in the position of finishing my second year, starting my third year without postgraduate plans. Um, so I'm, I'm really relieved about that and excited about the job itself and the company itself. And then the other major thing that happened was, um, I adopted a dog, you know, and, uh, I had, I spoke about this so much on the pod. You guys are almost sick of hearing about it and you might be able to hear her, uh, in the background growling at, uh, people outside of my window she's she's taken to that recently i don't know if that's a thing where when so she just turned 10 uh 10 months actually so she just turned 11 months but when this podcast is going to be released she will be about a year old her one year birthday is january 16th so wish penny a happy birthday i don't know if it's something that happens when a puppy turns close to a year but she's she's found her voice right like she never barked never growled but all of a sudden the last like couple of weeks she's been growling out the window and she does this thing. It's really stressful. But like at 4 or 5 in the morning, I live in an apartment building not far away from the, um, uh, you know, like the, 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 the incinerator, like the garbage. There's, a, there's like a trash room with an incinerator and people will – I don't know why they're doing it, but people will throw trash out at like 5, 6 in the morning. And Penny will literally – I'm not even kidding – wake up, jump, jump out of bed and just like – and just bolt to the door and start barking as she's doing now. It's almost like she can hear me. So she'll she'll literally just bolt to the door and start barking. And she never did that. She never she never barked as a puppy. So um anyway, yeah. So 2021, like adopting a puppy, something I talked about for a long time. Um, you know, Penny's like at this point like my best friend and someone that's gonna be in my life for years to come. So when I think about the year and what it meant to me, I mean Though you know the the job and um, starting my last year of law school and then getting getting my puppy uh, really really stood out really stand out and then and then I mean all the stuff with COVID like like we we really thought that we were out of the woods in the spring as like as a country you know I, I can't speak for what's what the system what the state of affairs is if you're listening to this in um, in India I know we got a lot of Indian listeners um, or in the UK. Um, Western Europe, but in America, you know, we we started scaling back social distancing measures and mask mandates in the spring, and then around the summertime when the Delta variant, um, you know, began proliferating, all of a sudden we were back under the the old protocols with mask mandates and social distancing measures, and so to me, like when we think about public health in 2021, it's it's very much like a stop start thing, you know, we we stopped too early and then we had to to restart and. Um, I know in D.C. the mask mandate was lifted in late November. So who knows, right? Like we could have another situation where when this podcast drops in mid-January, um, we're back to wearing masks and we're back to distancing. And um, so I think 2021 has kind of taught us that like we need to be patient with with um, returning to normalcy after a pandemic. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it was for everyone – it, it was a tough year. I don't want to like compare to 2020 because 2020 was a really shitty year too, um, for a lot of reasons. But yeah, 2021 wasn't easy. wasn't easy as well. Um, and when I think about the year ahead, uh, I mean, I'm in the next five to seven months. 
I'm going to be graduating from law school. Actually, no, the first thing, in the next five to seven months, the first thing I'm going to be doing is turning 30 years old. <sighs> um, <laughs> exasperated sigh there. Turning 30 years old, graduating from law school, uh, taking the bar exam in New York, and then moving back to New York City um, to start my full-time job. And so 2022, you know, shaping up to be one of the biggest years of my life. Um, and it's scary. I mean, all those things, all those things that I just mentioned are scary. I mean, for like the least scary thing to me is graduating law school. I mean, I think it's going to be emotional. Um, you know, like this will be, I think it's gonna be emotional saying goodbye to all my friends and closing this chapter of my life. But on the other hand, like I, when I started law school at 27, I was an adult. So it's, it's a little different. Like when I was in college at 18 and finished at 22, I was still a kid. I felt like I was losing all my friends and that was kind of sad. And we, I was worried we'd never see each other again, all that stuff. And, you know, uh, kind of uncertain about what the future held. But now at 27, when I started and 30, when I'm finishing, um, like I've had sort of years to grow. And I know that I know from my experience graduating college, like my friends are still going to be my friends, right? Like I don't have that um, apprehension. Uh, so I'm not as, as concerned about graduating law school. Um, you know, I think for me, turning 30, and this is something I, I talked about uh, months ago. I don't even remember. But before one of the episodes, before an episode, uh, it might have been the episode I did with Luke Burgess on um, Mimetic Desire. But I think turning 30 for me is going to be challenging because I'm someone who my life has always been has always like I've tried to live my life according to a certain plan right like there's a book I used to talk about on the podcast um, I haven't talked about it in a while it's it's called the the Pathfinder how to choose or change your career for a lifetime of satisfaction and success it's by Nicholas Lohr and when I read this book at age 25 I was in the middle of a career crisis a quarter-life crisis <laughs> I'd quit my job and I was kind of like, you know, like not sure what I wanted to do. And uh, one of the exercises that the book had me do is, is draw like, like a, a swirl and the swirl represented the timeline of my life and write down all of, and I wrote down all of the important events, you know, like um, when I got my car and when I graduated from, you know, high school and when I got my first girlfriend, like all the important events in your life and the ages that they happened. And then the swirl also had you forecast future events right like at this age I want to be married at this age I want to like be settled in this job at this age I want to go to graduate school at this age I want to have kids and so sometimes it's difficult and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this but it's difficult to pull out that swirl and look at where I am compared to where I wanted to be um when I did that exercise at 25 and um it's hard, you know. It's it's jarring, and uh, and and it's easy to, to be like, oh, you know, this is why you don't set expectations. This is why it's you know a marathon, not a sprint. But I don't know. I I can't help feeling like, as I turn thirty in like five months, like I am a little behind where I wanted to be um, in a lot of different areas, and uh, so it it's tough. You know, it's really tough. And then I've talked about a lot on the podcast about how like when you turn thirty you really have to have your shit together. Like anytime someone makes a mistake, um, 
you know, like like whether it be like a mistake in a relationship or a mistake at their job or they act a certain way, you know, with one of their friends and a friendship ends or they're not, you know, respectful or appreciative of family. Anytime anything like that happens when someone's in their 20s, the retort is always, ah, like, you know, they're young, they're in their 20s, they're learned, uh, they're le- you know, they need to learn, they don't have life experience, It'll, you know, all that stuff. But once you hit 30, that, you know, you can't really say, oh, that guy's 32. Yeah, he's just, he's young, you know, he needs, he needs to grow up. No, like, when you're 30, when you're 32, that, that excuse doesn't really apply. Um, so, I think 2022, uh, that, I, I think that's going to be challenging for me in 2022. Um, it's also like I don't feel – I don't feel like I'm 29. I don't feel like I'm going to be 30. Like I I kind of still feel like a kid, you know? Like <clears throat> I feel like I'm, I'm a 17-year-old um, trapped in like a, a 29-year-old body. But it's funny because when I was a kid, when I was 17, I felt like I was 50, right? Like I, when I was – it's like Benjamin Button. Um, it's like this weird like dissonance, right? Like when I was a kid – I was just a nonconformist. I didn't like to do kid stuff, right? I, I didn't like to, you know, go out and drink, and I wasn't crazy about video games or computer games or whatever else kids were doing. Um, I just wanted to read, and I wanted to go to school and be like a bookworm, um, you know. So I kind of felt like a like a, a grandpa in the body of a seventeen year old. And now that I'm gonna be thirty, I I just feel like I'm a kid. So I don't know. I I'm I'm sort of. I sort of have like mixed feelings about the whole thing. I mean, I, there is kind of a silver lining, right? Like, and maybe part of my New Year's resolution should be to not be so cynical because the reality is there's a silver lining to turning 30. And it's that a lot of people in their 30s, um, a lot of people say that their 30s were better than their 20s, right? Like, the 20s, there was a lot of making mistakes, there was a lot of not knowing your way. And having to find your place in the world and be on your own for the first time. And when you're 30, you, you have experience, you have life experience, you have the wisdom of knowing what it's like to be on your own. So in that sense, like I don't know, maybe turning 30 is not that bad. Then the bar exam, like I, I cannot tell you guys enough how much I struggle with standardized testing. I and it's not, it's not the the writing compositions that stress me out or the short response questions is really just multiple choice. I think multiple choice is it can be be it can be difficult for, pe- for it can be difficult even for people that know the subject matter. I remember taking the Regents exam, the New York State um, test in each subject, and really having a hard time with subjects that I crushed in school. You know, like like I would take AP. U.S. history and do really well on the exams in class. And then when I took the Regents, it, it was difficult for me. It was difficult just because multiple choice questions, I don't know, I've always felt like, I've always felt like depending on how tightly they're worded and depending on how narrow the focus is, there can be an interpretation, you know, there can be like more than one answer. And, uh, and, and, I get into the, you know, I get to the mode of overthinking and not knowing, you know, does the test, you know, there have been a lot of C's in a row. Is the time for a B? There's no way there can be this many A's in a row, right? Like, like that kind of mindset. It's just, it's super, it's debilitating. Um, and I know the bar exam, some multiple choice, some essay, some short response. Um, I just wish we had a system like they do in 
um, in European countries in like the Oxford system where they have oral examinations where you just have to like explain what you know or um, even written exams that are just like like free form writing. It's really multiple choice that, that, that I have a tough time with. So, so I think the bar exam is going to be tough and I know that I know June and July are going to be very rough months for me as I sort of get ready for the test. So, so 2022 is going to be at least like the first seven months are going to be going to be challenging. Um, and then I go back to New York. I leave DC behind. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. And I haven't even thought about what that's going to be like going back to New York after spending five years there. And I got to tell you guys, I grew a lot in my five years in New York, like that period from 22 when I, when I left Brandeis to 27 when I moved to D.C., um, I had a lot of like how, – how, how do I say this? A lot of, a lot of like growing experiences, you know, like things that, things that changed me. Um, and now I'm going to be going back and I'm going to be a different person from the person I was when I left, which is a good thing, right? You don't want to stay the same forever. But uh, – I realize we're getting pretty heavy, so maybe maybe on a positive note, um, I'm excited to get back to really good food because nothing against D.C., but you can't get a good bagel here. You can't get a good slice of pizza here. Um, I've had a handful of decent meals, but I miss my Greek food in Astoria. Um, I miss I miss my favorite bagel spots, Brooklyn Bagel in, uh, in Queens and in Manhattan. Everything bagel. Uh, honey bacon sriracha, cream cheese. Um, I miss, I miss Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. I miss pastrami and rye from Katz's Deli. I miss the uh, Ukrainian food, the pierogies, and the um, what is it called? The and the stuffed cabbage, and the kibasa at the Ukrainian restaurant in each village in Veselka. And I miss. Just all of the pizza and the falafel and shawarma. Yeah, baby. King of falafel. The goat in Astoria. OG. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get back. Uh, so that's, But I'm not excited to get back to, to the subway and the public transit because I had some of the most high-stress, like high-blood-pressure days for me were when I was trapped in the tunnel between Queens and Manhattan. Ladies and gentlemen, this train will be held up at the station. We will be moving shortly. Yeah, like I couldn't. And inevitably we were stuck there for sometimes 30, 40, 50 minutes and I'd be rage tweeting at the MTA. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and speaking, by the way, and, and speaking, of, speaking of rage tweeting, I saw something, um, what was it? I, I saw a Pew Research Center poll uh the other day that like 25% of users produced the vast majority of tweets, like 97% of tweets. So talk about a free rider problem. Most of the population is just lurking on Twitter. 75% of people on Twitter are just like, like reading all the tweets and the memes and the videos while 25% of users, including me, are pulling their weight. I actually, uh, since I created my Twitter in 2009, I have, let's see how many tweets. I'm going to guess about 29, maybe 28,000. Let's see if Twitter will tell me. I have 26,700 tweets. I was close. Um, and what was that? 10, 13, 2022, so about almost 13 years ago. So I was 17, yeah, I was 17 when I got my Twitter. 
I was I must have been like one of the first like million users or something. Um, let me see, because Twitter has this cool this cool feature where you can actually export your tweets. So I wonder if you guys want to see what um, you want to see what my first couple tweets were. And as you guys know, the bonus episode is unedited, so I will not be able to um, edit this out if they're really cringy. So download an archive. Uh, download an archive of your data. I just gotta remember my password, which I can't. Does anyone else struggle with remembering their passwords? I um, I have like a bunch that I rotate, and I can't remember any of them. And now they need me to verify that it's me. Um, so I'm gonna see what some of my old tweets are. But yeah, it is crazy to think that a quarter of people on Twitter are just like uh, um, are the ones actually producing the tweets, and everyone else is just is just chilling. Um, so let's see. So okay. So now I'm downloading my data as an Excel. It can take up to 24 hours to be ready. All right. So I'm gonna. So we can we can come back to that exporting my tweets. Um, so yeah. So what else is going on uh, with me? Let me think. So I uh, I've really gotten into cooking lately. I've been watching. As you guys know, I don't like TikTok. I think TikTok TikTok is the biggest time suck. TikTok should be should be changed to time suck because. I literally watched my girlfriend sitting on TikTok for hours. Like we're doing work together and I'm, I'm, you know, typing out a brief or something. And she's like, oh, I'm taking a, a five minute break. And I just see her spend like an hour or two on TikTok, just scrolling through her feed. And the videos are so short and so um, stimulating. There's, you know, music and all this, like, you know, and a lot of times they're funny. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to put it down. Um, so yeah, I don't do TikTok, but I do, I have been watching a couple of uh, YouTube series every so often where they show you how to make, like I saw this guy make mozzarella cheese from scratch with, um, just like water, milk and liquid rennet, uh, liquid rennet, I think it's called and citric acid. Um, I haven't tried to make that myself, but like, I don't know, watching him make that and, um, watching people make like beef Wellington and chipotle burritos and dumplings so i think i might get more into cooking i mean i i my thing is i love to cook but i really i really only cook like the same seven eight nine dishes which sounds like a lot but i've been cooking the same seven eight nine dishes for like the last what five years i've just been making like the same chicken pesto pasta the same um you know uh chicken stir fry lamb chops, um, turkey meatloaf with my charred broccoli and my uh, sauteed kale and my like Brussels sprouts. Like, so it does get, it does get a little bit, um, a little bit like sort of mundane. Um, so I might, I might branch out and start experimenting more when I have a little bit more free time. Um, I did, I did recently like, because I was looking into cooking more, I did learn there's like a bunch of different kinds of salt, which is interesting because I, I only use sea salt in my, uh, in my kitchen, but a lot of these videos I've been looking at, they're using kosher salt. Um, and I don't know, I was reading about how table salt, kosher salt, and sea salt are all very different and all used in like different things. So like, I don't know, you know, so right now as you're listening to this, you should check. You should check uh, the salt in your in your cabinet, right? Because table salt apparently is um, is iodized. So Morton Salt started adding iodine to their products in the 1920s to to help make sure people didn't have iodine deficiencies, which causes goiters. That used to be a thing, but I guess not so much anymore. But you use 
uh, table salt for baking something that calls for a small quantity of salt. Um, whereas sea salt, which is what I use, um, is is a little bit more uh, is a little bit more like high quality and should be used for like meats or to mix into doughs or batters. And then kosher salt. Um, dissolves quicker than a, than a regular like table salt. So it's better for, for seasoning food. Um, it doesn't sound like – it sounds like table salt is the worst one, the one with the iodine for using for like um, uh, marinating and, and seasoning meats and stuff. Um, probably best for baking. And sea salt and kosher salt are better for actually cooking dishes. I'm still not super clear on what the difference is in terms of like using uh, – a kosher salt versus a sea salt. But if you go to Google Images, this is really interesting. You just put in like um, table salt, kosher, kosher salt, sea salt, and you look, there's like interesting um, pictures. There's something called Himalayan pink salt. Let me see what this is. Himalayan pink salt. I'm not someone – I know a lot of people when they eat vegetables or whatever, they, they add salt to things for flavor. I, I never do that. Um I, I can literally eat an entire meal without, you know, a drop of salt in it. I, I, I mean, as long as for me, I, the olive oil is more important. As long as there's enough olive oil on the, on the vegetable, on the asparagus, on the asparagus, on the spring beans, on the squash, on the Brussels sprouts to cook it all the way through so it's nice and soft, um, then I think it'll be fine. Does pink Himalayan salt have any health benefits? Um, contains 98% of, what does it say, sodium chloride. The rest of the salt is trace minerals. How is it used? Why does the body need salt? Okay, so that we don't want to know. Um, adding a pinch of pink salt might help the body achieve optimal fluid balance and dehydration. Um, okay, so, so, so that's not confirmed. Uh, so I also stumbled onto this website the other day. One of my friends, um, I think one of my friends helped like create it. It's whateveryamericanshouldknow.org. Hopefully I don't have to spell any of those words. Whateveryamericanshouldknow.org. And it's like, the idea is like we need to improve um, not just public education but sort of like just in general like like make sure people are more aware of, of important issues um, that you know bleeds into the conversation I had a while back with um, Jonathan Zimmerman on free speech how we don't have a you know misinformation problem or a fake news problem we actually have a gullibility problem people will believe anything they, they see on the news or on Twitter or Instagram so the whole idea is like here are the important issues that people should familiarize themselves with. What what every American should know about org. So I'm just going to name some of them and like just in your head just like think, okay, do I know this? And and by the way, no is a weird word. Like and, and that's something I talked to my buddy about who who helped create the page. It's like what is, you know, what is no mean, right? Like how, like do you have to like the first item is slavery. Do you have to know like the detailed history of the institution of slavery and you know all, all of its um all of its histories and uh, and the implications of it. I, I don't I don't know, right? Like, or, or, or do you just have to know that slavery existed? It, it's unclear. But, okay. So how many of these do you know on some level? We have slavery, September 11th, voting, human rights, the civil rights movement, law, the Declaration of Independence, democracy, white privilege, and the Civil War. So that's the first 10. And by the way, ask yourself right now, um, I'm assuming, you know, whoever's listening to this right now, there's a good chance that you received a formal education. Maybe you went to um, a four-year or two-year college, public, private school. Maybe you did post-grad. Maybe you got 
a batch, uh, maybe you got like a PhD, maybe you got a graduate degree, a master's, law degree, med school, med school degree, PhD, um, what have you. So you, you know, there's a good chance you know this, but to folks who are not educated, to folks who um, either dropped out of school or, um, you know, didn't didn't receive their high school diploma, or even folks who received their high school diploma and didn't pursue college, think about, you know, would they know these 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 first ten issues, the next ten. Racism in the United States, police brutality, immigrants to the United States, World War II, education, LGBT rights in the U.S., taxes in America, equality, president of the United States, global warming. Um, I'm going to read some more. Amendments, respect, Holocaust, black history, gun violence in the U.S., World War I, Bill of Rights, human rights. U.S. Constitution, American history. Why is the Constitution so low? That's that's. I mean, the Constitution, like it or not, it's the bedrock. I mean, that's that's why <laughs> it's why the it's why our legal system, it's why our, it's why our three three branch system of government exists. Like everything's okay. So that's that's pretty low. I also thought. So okay, the, the next ten. I'm gonna. I, I might just go up to fifty. I'm up to thirty right now. Thirty one. American Revolution. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., climate change, freedom of speech, branches of government, Great Depression, Bill of Rights, power, rights, United States Constitution. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., is he on here twice? Some of these things might repeat, actually. I'm so confused. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, COVID pandemic, politics, Barack Obama. I think that's, he's the first person. He's the first person listed on here, Barack Obama. Everything else is just concepts and stuff like that. COVID pandemic. No, I said that already. Barack Obama, music, Native Americans in the U.S., George Washington, social media, corruption, voting rights. So that's like the 50 top items that every American should know. Um, and just background, it says here, uh, oh, look at this, a project of the Aspen Institute Citizenship and American Identity Program. I got to see if my buddy, uh, a different friend of mine was involved in this. In 1987, E.D. Hirsch sparked a national debate with his book, Cultural Literacy, claiming there's a foundation of common knowledge every American should know. So think about, you know, either your, your parents or, or relatives who are maybe less educated than you are, um, or just people, people in general you know, like how familiar would they be with all these items, right? Like, um, I will say, just sort of like looking through this list, I don't necessarily agree with the order. I mean, like the fact that climate change is number 33 – that's and that's the great. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know that um, I talk about it a lot. That's the greatest existential crisis like that we're facing as a species. The fact that we like very much there's a good chance that we won't like our that the human race will cease to exist on this planet in a hundred years, and it's a just an enormous um, catalog of information, uh, just scientific data supporting that. Thirty three on the list seems a little bit low. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, the Constitution at 29. I guess it's on here twice because it's the U.S. Constitution and the United States Constitution. That's very low. That should go up. Gun violence? Come on. Come on. When you think about America, I mean, just when you think about America and how the rest of the world views America, I mean, racism, racism is, 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 is huge. How, <clears throat> how much hate and discrimination there is here, um, which is uh, number 11. I mean, you could even argue that should be higher. But gun violence? Gun violence should be higher than number twenty-five. I mean, every you know, every every week, it's still happening. It's literally still happening. Um, earlier in 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 the winter, there was the incident in Aurora, Colorado, 
where three people were shot. Um, and uh, I mean, I could literally right now Google search gun violence, hit Google News, and mother of gun violence victim, like, and you see, you know, gun violence forces another school closure. This is in Newburgh. Um, four teenagers were shot uh, in um, in Orange County, Newburgh Free Academy, and uh, two shootings in Brooklyn Park under investigation. Two wounded in Nottingham shooting shooting in Baltimore. I mean, I I can't even Boston man shot outside of Seven Eleven. This is this is literally like all things in the last twenty four hours. And I live in Washington D.C. and we have a serious gun problem here. Like I, I you know, it's hard to compare between cities. I can only speak about my lived experience, but like I get notifications from my school regularly about shootings and even stabbings, although that, that's unrelated, within the vicinity of of my apartment and, and my my law school campus. So. Like gun violence, I think every American should should know about gun violence and climate change. Those things have to move up. Um, racism should move up as well. Uh, all the other stuff. I mean, the Civil War, World War One, World War Two. This might be a hot take, but if I'm thinking about our public education system, I think more more time and energy and you know student headspace should be devoted to issues that are pressing that affect us today more so than like you know wars from 300 years ago that don't have you know that don't necessarily have concrete repercussions on our day-to-day lives to the degree that things like gun violence racism and climate change do so i think it's you know obviously children need to learn about world history and world war one and world war two and even the civil war um but you know, I, I don't know. I just I think about I think about how how pressing and how urgent, um, how critical it is for for people, and not just kids, by the way. But we're just, we're talking public education, but for people to have an awareness about issues that are contemporary. Um, and I wonder how much of that needs to be folded into um, curriculum curricula. Uh, so so yeah so so this is so what what every american should know.org really interesting stuff i'm i'm continuing down even though i said i'd only look at the, the first 50 now i'm looking down uh 51 mental health 52 economics then you have abraham lincoln government trail of tears discrimination gettysburg address world history cultural diversity english language um mental health should be i mean come on that you gotta that needs to go that needs to go way up although i will say just the fact that now in 2022, you can speak openly about having mental health issues, about depression and anxiety. We've come a really long way, you know. I remember when I was a kid, and someone found out that another person was on SSRIs, you know, like Prozac or Lexapro, uh, had a chemical imbalance. It was like a taboo issue. Like, oh my god, like you know, it was so it was so stigmatized. It was it was such a, a big deal. Whereas nowadays, um, I feel like everyone's struggling with with something. So. Freedom of religion, human rights, abortion, poverty, healthcare, Black Lives Matter, the Constitution, Cold War, war on drugs, money management, freedom history, coronavirus disease, twenty nineteen, sports. See, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know if every American should know about sports relative to these other issues. It's, it's cool if you're trying to like, you know, trying to network or meet people at a bar. Yeah, you know, it's it's a good conversation starter, but. 
I think people are going to learn about sports anyway. Uh, Vietnam War, global warming, diversity, activism, Rosa Parks, animal rights. Animal rights is an interesting one. Um, Equal Rights Amendment, War, the Law, Voting Rights Act, Pearl Harbor, Human Rights, Manifest Destiny. I think, you know, it's funny. I, I think I learned, I feel like we spent three or four years growing up learning about Manifest Destiny, um, which is what, like, the the idea that people want to move west. Like, I wish we had spent that time, I don't know, learning about other stuff. Because, like, I don't know about you guys listening, but I don't remember much, if anything, from from high school. Um, it's just amazing, like, how the way that we how the way that we attain information has changed in the last um you know 50 60 in the last like five ten years you know since since i was in school it's just you can learn more scrolling on twitter than you than you're learning like a full year course speaking of twitter i wonder if this archive is ready it's a big archive thirty thousand tweets i don't see it let me just double check here um and then we'll finish out this list on what every American should know dot org dot com or org com org. Uh, where are we? Settings. We're gonna go back. Archive of data. Okay, cool. So so it hasn't it hasn't come yet. It actually might not come in in this episode. Would that be disappointing? All right. Presidents of the United States, internet, geography, technology, national anthem, protests, elections, literacy, pledge of allegiance. Pledge of allegiance. That was also that was a big deal in um in my school, every morning, I think it was at nine thirty. Stand for the pledge. Do they even? Do they even still? I'm so, I'm so like removed from this. Uh, I don't even know if they still have people doing. I wonder on Zoom, um, if people have to, you know, like like recite the pledge on Zoom, and then do they unmute? Do they mute? Uh, are public schools required to recite the pledge? Um, no, public schools may not be compelled. To recite, well, well, okay, that's okay. I'm just, I don't want to know if people have to do. It. I want to know if it's still in practice. Uh, Politifact: Students no longer say the pledge of allegiance in schools, and Politifact says, um, do 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 do. Okay, so CNN reported in 2019, it's still recited in schools across the U.S. every day. Students standing stiffly with their hands over their hearts. Um, and what does it say about Zoom? It says, virtual learning has presented a new challenge for how students say the pledge. An El Paso news station reported last August about how remote learning has affected students reciting the pledge. That's a very niche report. Some schools and teachers are not beginning the virtual day with the pledge, but one elementary school begins this morning announcement with the pledge. Um, one parent says her student recited the pledge every day in school last year. But the fact that it's, it's 97 on the list, that's like kind of high. <laughs> Um, uh, Brown v. Board, Japanese American determinant inequality. So yeah, I mean, it's just I guess it's interesting to, to to think about like what what what's required information. Like if you were starting an education system, um, you know, like like what what would you have people know? So those are my thoughts on that. Whatever Americans should know dot org. Um, what else? So I guess uh, a woman sued Pop Tarts for five million dollars, claiming that they don't contain real strawberries um so these are you you guys might have heard about this i think this was last year but there's a lot of hot uh food product labeling cases where you can get together where you can essentially sue um a company sue a company that provides a a product uh to you the consumer 
um, for you know for claiming that there's false advertising or misinformation. So like you probably heard the claim that there's no real tuna in Subway tuna fish, um, that Honey Bunches of Oats is doesn't have any honey. Um, veggie or Morningstar veggie hot dogs have no vegetables uh, or this this Pop-Tart claim. So, I mean, this is the pitfall of the American legal system, right? Like people people can get risk people can get um, can make a lot of money with at least superficially like kind of frivolous claims. Um, I'm wondering if I wanted to file a class action suit. I mean, there's I could just pull out anything in my closet. Like like I have a bag of veggie chips. Do veggie chips actually contain real vegetables? I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm curious about this case now. Oh my gosh! It actually turns out that the attorney suing Pop Tart for the strawberry claim, claiming deceptive marketing that it doesn't contain strawberries, he has sued. Um, what is this? More than four hundred lawsuits targeting products in almost every aisle of the grocery store over misleading claims. So this guy Spencer Sheehan, he files three lawsuits a week. So he he sued Frito Lay, alleging it didn't use enough real lime juice in its hint of lime Tostitos, accused Coors of suggesting its pineapple and mango-flavored hard seltzers are sources of vitamin tre- vitamin C, nutritionally equivalent to actual pineapples and mangoes. And he said snack pack pudding, which is advertised as being made with real milk, misled customers because it's made with fat-free skim milk. So, so this guy, I don't know if he like literally goes to his local Giant or Safeway or Wegmans or Hannaford's and, um, and just like – just like browses the aisles looking for potentially misleading claims. Um, 2021 is set to shatter the record of class action suits against food and beverage companies. 280 suits filed to date. Um, And this guy says the suits aren't about money. The suits, and he says the goal is not money. It's about fixing labeling to truthfully represent what's in the product even though he claims at least five million dollars to damages to consumers worldwide um and of course as you guys know a lot of these cases end up settling um because these companies don't want to be stuck in uh, years of of uh expensive litigation and uh negative pr so that's uh a and w root beer and cream soda are made with age vanilla yeah so so um I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I am a, a hardcore Taylor Swift fan. It's funny because, um, you know, much like I was saying, society's evolved where talking about mental health is like, is, you know, more acceptable than it was 10 years ago. I think being a Taylor Swift fan is more in vogue now, right? Like, I feel, I feel like when Taylor Swift started making music, I want to say like 15 years ago, uh, like 2006, whenever she released Teardrops on her guitar. It was it was very much like, you know, Taylor Swift was a country musician that women Taylor Swift was a country musician for girls, right? And like men weren't supposed to like Taylor Swift. But now, twenty twenty two, I think there are like more male, um, either openly or or, uh, or secretly, like more uh, male Taylor Swift fans than female. Um, and she released, as you guys know, she's re releasing all of her albums um because of her uh her split from her record company and she re-released red um in i think it was last month november and i i'm and i've just been 
literally like listening to the entire album on loop like nonstop for like the last month um i especially like she re-released her song all too well which is um i you know this might be this might be a strong claim but it's it's like it's got to be one of my favorite songs of all time i actually have a on spotify i have a playlist it's called uh tomorrow and it's all of my favorite songs that i actually compiled for a friend of mine a few years ago but uh it is 33. Um, looks like Adele, Adele's Easy On Me snuck into that uh, playlist even though I didn't add it. So sorry, Adele. I don't consider you in my top songs. So it's 32 songs, and I think there's only one Taylor song. I think it's just All Too Well. Yep, that's the only one. Um, and you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to add a second. I'm going to add the 10-minute version. So if you guys don't know, when she wrote the song uh, back in like 2012 or something – it was originally like 10 plus minutes and she, for one reason or another, I don't know if it was her or her record company that told her to shorten it, but she ended up releasing a five minute and 28 version, um, five minute, 28 second version back in 2012 with Red, but she teased her fans for years. Like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll release a 10 minute version eventually and she she just released it and somehow, given how sky high the expectations were, she did, she did uh, they did meet the expectations. I mean, I think that it's it's a masterpiece, you know, and I I honestly believe that when all is said and done, she's going to be one of the greatest musicians of all time. You know, lyrically, Taylor is in a class of her own. I mean, the fact that you know she writes, she basically writes all of her own, um, all of her own music, and creates her own melodies and harmonies, and you know she she collaborates a lot with um with uh, Jack Antonoff and. Then she does songs with like Ed Sheeran and um, Bon Iver and stuff like that, but um, but yeah, she for the most part, you know, she's she's it, uh, and the fact that she's been able to sustain like such a long career, I mean, I think she's been at the top of the charts since like two thousand. Was that fifteen years since two thousand six? Her first song was. Tug McG- uh, Tim McGraw. Tug McGraw is a Mets pitcher. Um, it was June. Yeah, it was 2006. And now it's 16 years and she's still like crushing. She's probably going to win like a million Grammys for the re recording of Red. Um, but she, like, look at this. A hun- okay. With, I can't even, there's a Wikipedia page called Taylor Swift Singles Discography. And it's just like all of her, all of her records with 138 Billboard Hot 100 chart entries, including seven number one songs and 29 top 10 songs. She's the female artist with the most charted songs in the United States. Is that in history? I think in US history. Um, I mean, it's just, she sold 200 records. Over 200, 200 records, over 200 million records worldwide, one of the best-selling musicians of all time, 11 Grammy Awards, 12 CMAs, 25 Billboard Awards, uh, greatest songwriters of all time. Like she, it's, I know it's like, it's, you know, what is Nils, what the heck? Her, she has a pseudo, she has a pseudonym, Nils Schoberg? I did not know that. She co-wrote Calvin Harris, This Is What You Came For, under the Swedish pseudonym. Um, I did not know that. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, that's so funny. So she's even writing music for other people. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, she's and the fact that she's genre shifted so much, right? She went from country to pop to R and B and hip hop, and when she did folklore and Evermore, that was kind of like jazzy and folksy. Um, 
Yeah, it's really it's it's really impressive. And by the way, the fact that she's not only like a, a gifted songwriter and musician, but she's apparently a really talented director filmmaker too. She made the all too well short film um, with uh, Dylan O'Brien and uh, Sadie Sink, which was really incredible. I mean, you guys like you can just skip ahead because I'm I'm sort of <laughs> I'm sort of like fawning over Taylor Swift right now. But um, yeah, so I I very much like you guys know I have sort of an addictive personality. Um, so, you know, I've been listening to, to her music a ton, um, in the last like month or two. And, um, you know, I mean, talk about like productivity, you know, she, she put out all these albums evermore and folkmore over the pandemic. And then she's re-record at the same time, she's re-recording, uh, what was it fearless and, and now red, um, and all these new songs from the vault that she hadn't previously released, she's putting them out. And then on top of that, she's making the all too well short film. It's just it's remarkable. I don't know what you guys have done in the last week or two, but but you might have to step it up because Taylor's setting the bar pretty high. Um, but uh, I guess you know on another note, when we're talking about like art and um, when we're talking about like art and TV and film. I I really enjoyed maybe one of the the greatest things that I saw in 2021, you know, like the year in review was the Netflix special Inside by by Bo Burnham. And it's kind of hard to distill it into words. You know, people ask like what is it? You know, and it's it's not it's not like a comedy special. A lot of these uh comedians do like an hour of stand up or something like that. Um it it's it's I had such a unique like art form, Bo Burnham, who is also speaking of like multi talented people, uh, musician, comedian, actor, director, filmmaker. Um, this special that he filmed over the pandemic contains like his his musings and his commentary on the nature of life and our solitude during the pandemic. So he filmed it in like the guest room of his house, I think, um, and he did everything himself. He he wrote it himself. He, perform, he you know, sung in it and performed in it. He edited it himself. Um, it wasn't clear if he had any help with the production. He might have, but it seemed like a one-man show, and it's, it's, it, you know, it's really beautiful. I mean it's dark. It's often depressing. It's not the kind of thing that you should watch with your friends on a Friday night. It's more, it's more something you just watch by yourself and you, and, and you think about it. I mean the songs, the songs are really catchy. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I, when, when I finished the – I think I watched it like three times. I just I, I played the the you know inside album um, on loop for for a couple of weeks, but um, it's it's just it's so you know it's it's powerful. And he he has one song that I really enjoyed called Thirty because uh, Bob Burn is about my age. I think he's like a year or so older, and he talks about his feelings about hitting thirty, and um, which obviously I can relate to. And he's another song called Welcome to the Internet. Which is probably the most famous song from from the special, um, and the chorus is like, "Could I interest you in everything all of the time? A little bit of everything all of the time. Apathy is a tragedy, and boredom is a crime. Anything and everything all of the time." It's, I mean, the whole thing. It's like ma- the the song is like manic. There's a video to go with it, and um, really captures like the essence of the internet and our selective attention and um, our obsession with compulsion and instant gratification. He's just extraordinarily self aware. To the point where, like, at, at one, you know, there's a point in the special, and I don't want to spoil too much because I really think you guys should check it out. But there's a point in the special, he has like an intermission, and then he comes back from the intermission and he says, 
um, there's a song, and he says, do I have your attention, yes or no? I bet I'd guess the answer, but I don't want to know. Am I on in the background? Are you on your phone? I'd ask what you're watching, but I don't want to know. And he obviously sings it, and I can't sing, and I'm not going to do it justice, but um, it's just like he knows, Bo knows that he creates this incredible work of art for you to consume for an hour and a half, but he knows that you're too obsessed with your smartphone and the Instagram news feed and seeing if you got any messages and whatever that you – it's not enough for you to watch Bo Burn especially. You need to be doing six things at the same time. So he, he's so self-aware that he has a song about the fact that you're distracted during his special. He, um, he literally shatters the, the, uh, the fourth wall. So highly recommended it. I actually <laughs> – this is kind of embarrassing. I asked him to be on my podcast. This is early. This is like a year or two ago. Um, wrote him like a – you know, personalized email, never got back to him, but I only reached out once. And for someone like him, probably going to take two, three more times before, <laughs> before he rejects me. Um, but yeah, inside that's, that's gotta be one of the highlights, um, TV and film in 2021. And I've talked so much about Kirby enthusiasm. Um, if you listen to the bonus episode I did with my friend, Adam Rabinowitz, uh, we were just like gushing about, um, Larry David, who I think, he, I think he's the best living comic mind you know it's the show if you haven't a lot of you guys might have heard about it and you know maybe seen clips of this like old jewish bald guy and been like why is this so popular like like what's up with this it seems stupid it seems like you know just dumb like hype everyone's obsessed with it right like that that's the perception i have of tv when i don't watch it i want to be like cynical and non-conformist i mean i was like that with game of thrones for a long time um but the reality is like if you get into the show it's ultra ultra relatable, like all of the peculiar situations in everyday life, you know, like the big goodbye, all the situations with like leaving a, a social event and do you say goodbye and like just just stuff like I don't know stuff like that. It's really cool, and the fact that he he's been doing it. Talk about sustained success for like twenty years of Curb, and then before that he had like a ten year run on Seinfeld. So really into that, and then I talk a lot about um I've talked a lot about the Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale uh. Just an incredible show. Um, you know, it might hit pretty close to home. Um, you know, it's about I, I've talked about it before. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but like this dystopian world where women um, are handmaids that just uh, you know give birth to to that just give birth and then they're they're sort of tossed aside. And um, I uh, yeah, it, it's it's reminiscent of like the situation. Um, just our immigration system in you know the last like five ten years, and that's another one. Uh, if you thought Bob Burnham's special was dark, this is something you you can you can't really watch um, more than an episode or two because it's heavy and it will it will depress the shit out of you. Uh, but really incredible show. I've blown through that. I'm almost done. I'm one more season to go. And then Game of Thrones. If you guys are curious, because I've I've kind of talked uh, talked down on it. You know. Um, uh, ever since I started watching it, I will say it's grown on me a little bit. My criticisms in the first season were that the there were too many characters, too much going on. Um, it was really difficult to follow. It felt like a you know an exam, having to remember what was going on and all the diverging storylines. It's grown on me. I think it's it got a lot better in the second, third, and fourth seasons. Um, I'm I'm in the middle of the fourth season now. I do feel like there. You do need a thick stomach. You do need a, a a thick stomach for Game of Thrones because they have a knack for pulling the rug out from under you. <clears throat> As a viewer, if you get attached to a character, um, they're gonna break your heart. It's just <laughs> it's just guaranteed. And I don't wanna 
for other people like myself who don't watch TV, you know, until 10 years after, like, I'm not going to spoil it, but you know, the, the red wedding was, was, <laughs> that was tough. Um, people who have watched the show will know what I'm talking about. That, that broke my heart. Um, and I don't know, like, I think, you know, I think it's killing off main characters. If it's done well, can be just incredibly effective, like plot device. Um, you know, you think about Dexter season four finale. Um, I mean, they're, they're bringing, speaking of that, they're bringing Dexter back, Dexter New Blood. I'm so excited. I haven't even had time to watch it because uh, how busy I am and how much other TV, but like, yeah, Dexter season four ending um, pulls the rug out from under you and uh, not going to spoil that. But I do think if you use it too much, it's almost like, what's the point of watching this show if you're just going to kill everybody off? You know what I mean? And that's kind of still my critique with Game of Thrones. And I know that the the narrate the um writing is kind of tied to the book so i can't blame them too much but yeah it's 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 it's, you know it's an excellent show it's just for me it's not i don't put it in my pantheon of television you know with like buffy and and breaking bad and uh better call saul um and dexter um you know and westworld and black mirror and all that stuff so but it's it's growing on me we'll see how i feel as i get into the later seasons um I mentioned Dexter New Blood. I really like the show You on Netflix. They they had released a third season. Um, I I think I think the show the reason why You works so well is because it's super it's super like like self aware. The main character Joe, um, who's a like a serial killer and and kind of like a sociopath, um, and they pull some elements from Dexter. His commentary, like his narration during the episodes. It's spot on, you know? It's it's not like he's – like he makes comments. I literally spilled a little bit of coffee. I don't know I, I don't know how many of you guys um, drink coffee by your computer, but I drink coffee by my computer, and I, I would say I spill a, a mug of coffee maybe like 20 to 30% of the time when I'm drinking it, but I never learned my lesson. I like the fact that Joe um, Goldberg on you, he like – yeah, he, his commentary is like very funny, like a reverent humor. The season felt kind of campy. They they leaned into the dark comedy a little too much, but I like I liked it a lot. Um, it's just like a very just a very like solidly entertaining show. Um, and uh, and I do watch. I like to watch comedies, as I always say, like while I'm eating or whatever. I can't remember the last time I had a meal, kind of like alone with my own thoughts. Um, I'm always like watching something, and I'm currently watching this show, Dave, uh, which is based on Little Dicky. Um, and I started watching it because I'm taking a class in entertainment law in school, and someone who works on the clearance for ABC and FX came in to talk to us about like, you know, if you have like a brand or, or or a book or whatever featured on a show, you have to get it all cleared. And they showed us a clip from Dave, the the somebody suck me, somebody suck me video from the first season. I really I enjoyed it. I gave gave it a shot. Not only not only is the show like very funny, it's also unexpectedly touching. They um. Uh, there's an episode where Dave and his girlfriend Allie break up in the first season. I'm not gonna lie, I well I welled up a little bit watching that. Um, but yeah, it's like the the issue that that I have with TV, and I've mentioned this so many times before on the pod. The issue is like there's just so much content, you guys. Like like who in the world is gonna is gonna be able to watch all of the shows that I'm recommending and like live a healthy lifestyle? And by the way, that's not even to mention. Ozark has a new season coming out this month, I think. Emily in Paris, I know it sounds really dumb, and I don't, like, love it, but I'm probably going to watch it, 
anyway. Um, that, there's a new season of that. I think that came out. Better Call Saul's coming back. You know, that's going to be incredible. The Boys has a new season on Amazon Prime. Like, who has the time for all this? And at the same time, like, movies, mo- like, I am so excited. So it hasn't come out yet. But um, by the time this podcast is out, it will already be in theaters. Spider-Man: No Way Home. Like I, I am obsessed with the Marvel movies. I'm one of those, one of those people. And this is this movie. I, the last time I was this, and uh, I was this hyped for a Marvel movie was probably Endgame. So No Way Home is going to be great. And then the Don't Look Up movie on Netflix. Um, I think that's what it's called. Don't Look Up with their ensemble cast of uh, Jonah Hill, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Jennifer Lawrence, and Meryl Streep, and Ariana Grande. Like, that's going to be insane, too. Um, you know, like, who has time to just watch all this? Um, so, I don't know. but So, I like to, you know, I, when I have time off from school, um, so mainly I'm just watching, like, comedy and TV shows, maybe, like, one or two episodes a week, um, aside from, like, the, the comedies that I watch when I'm, like, eating a meal. And then, then when I have like breaks from school, like the winter break or Thanksgiving or whatever, then I'll actually like ca- try to catch up on movies and, and, and shows. Um, but there's just so much, you guys. There's so much. And especially Netflix. I feel like Netflix, their strategy, and I also learned about this in my entertainment law class, their strategy is like they will literally buy any film and any TV show. Their, their, their mentality is like, okay, if we buy every show and one out of ten of them – turn into a Squid Game or a Queen's Gambit or Bridgerton or The Crown, then that's a successful business model because they make enough money on that one of 10 that they're not necessarily like losing that much in the other 90%. Something like that. I feel like I'm oversimplifying it. But yeah, so th- so as a result, there's so many shitty movies. Like I saw, there was this movie called Hypnotic on Netflix. Um, it was really weird. It, the trailer made it look cool and then you watch it and I'm just like, geez, like the acting in this movie is like horrendous. And the writing, I mean... It, it felt like something, you know, if you're in like a film class in high school that, that you'd submit to the teacher and the teacher would be like, oh, I think you need another draft of this. It sounds kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it is literally – by the way, it is literally so cold in my apartment right now. Does anyone have this issue where it's – you wake up and it's freezing and then you turn the heat up and then it's boiling so you turn it back down. And then all day you're constantly going from – you know, you're riding the, the temperature roller coaster. You're going from – extremely hot to extremely cold, extremely hot, extremely cold. Right now, actually, my apartment is at, take a guess. I think most people keep it at 68. Mine is at, the thermostat says like 76 degrees. It's actually a sauna in here. Most people come into my apartment, they're like, why do you keep it so hot? I don't know. Um, I will say before I go to bed, the temperature is usually pretty cold um, because I like to, you know, the cool side of the pillow, I like to, I like to, um, I don't know. Anyway, I think I'm going to wrap up. Uh, I wanted to share some tweets with you. Let me see if I have them. All right, there they are. Perfect. So I I think I said earlier in the episode I have like 27,000 tweets dating back to 2009. Some of these are so cringy. Oh, my gosh. Um, and you know like a lot of people will hire firms like consulting firms, image reputation firms to comb through their tweets and actually like like delete things that are potentially controversial or it's amazing that you still have in 2021 I've talked about this so many times in the podcast before or actually 2022 rather but you still have people who get canceled for tweets that are dug up 
you know, 15, 20 years ago or whatever. I guess not 20, but um, when did Twitter – Twitter came out in July of 2006. So I wonder first Twitter users – because mine, July 2009, I, I had to have been one of the first – look at this. The first 500 Twitter accounts. Meet the, the 102 tweeters. So Jack was the 12th. Well, he wasn't even the first. Um, Noah, and then I think it was a bunch of random people. Crystal, Twitter support, Tim Roberts, Infectious. And these people locked down some pretty good user IDs. Just Adam, at Adam, at Jack, at Katie, at Greg, at Dan, at Rob McCarthy. I wonder if these people still have... Let me see if I just put in at Dan. Let's see if this is still him. Or at Andrew. Let me see. If I search at Andrew, if this will still be Andrew Dorsey, Jack's brother. It's amazing that I – I'm so stupid. I could have – I literally could have locked down at Ricky or maybe at Ricky R or maybe just at Ricky 13. But I stupidly – Made my my username at Ricky R thirteen. I don't know why I needed or was it even five thirteen at Ricky R five thirteen in two thousand nine. I probably could have locked down just at Ricky R or at Ricky thirteen. Anyways, um, so I'm amazed that still you know the you know that people still don't learn to um delete potentially controversial tweets. I might do it right now. Honestly, I might do it right now on the pod with you guys. Um, my first ever tweet, July twenty first two thousand nine. Um, how many thirteen? 10, 13 years ago. According to Mansers, you can dye clothing with your piss or use it to make gunpowder. Um, geez. Mansers. I remember that show. It used to be a show on Spike TV, uh, like, like a, just a comedy series where they shared interesting, like weird facts. Um, that's like not a good not a good tweet. I might might delete that. Um, delete that right now with you guys on the pod. Uh, that just seems stupid. So that tweet is gone. Scrub from the history books. Um, watching Chuck. What a hilarious underrated show. July twenty second, two thousand nine. Chuck was a good show. I remember that. Wasn't uh Yvonne Strahovski on that back in the day? I think because because she's you know she became a huge star with Handmaid's Tale, which I love, and then she was on Dexter, which, which also one of my favorite shows. Mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. That was a good show. All right. Um, feeling a little depressed, July 28th, 2009. Yeah, the problem with social media back in the day, that one I'm deleting as well, is people, you know, people on Facebook, there was a different kind of etiquette. It was people would, would overshare a lot on social media. You'd, you know, post on Facebook after every semester. I used to give my friend Adam a hard time for this. You'd be like, oh, you know, I just want to say, it's almost like you're, you're giving a speech at the Oscars. I just want to say uh, thank you to all my Fans, people that believed in me, my supporters, after this semester of college, it was just, you know, people were very self-oriented. Uh, there's a lot of baseball tweets I'm going to spare you because um, because, uh, as I said in the bonus episode with Adam, a lot of people don't – a lot of people who listen to the podcast don't follow baseball, so it's like I don't want to – uh, then I had two years off from 2009 to 2011. I just did not tweet, um, from August 23rd, 2009 to May 17th, 2011. Uh, let's share a couple other ones here. A lot of baseball. It's almost like I exclusively used Twitter for baseball, um, in the beginning days. 
And then I have even the baseball tweets are like pretty, pretty cringy. June 23rd, 2011. Here comes my boy with like 50 exclamation points. Weirdly enough, I think I think I remember tweeting this on June 23rd, 2011. I think I was at a game live tweeting. Does it say the time when you pull up the tweet? Does it, it should it should say the time. Come on, Big Red, it's all you with like 50 exclamation points. Yeah, 12, 12 a.m. I must have been watching at home. Uh, blah, 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 Mets, 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 Mets. Almost like I'm obsessed with this pitiful baseball team. All right, here's a tweet that I'm not going to read out loud, but I am going to delete because it, it's not even like like bad. It's just, I don't know, just anything anything that might be construed as potentially even possibly being um, offensive to someone in any particular way through any lens of interpretation is out. Uh, blah, blah, blah. 101 Dalmatians in my pants. July 10th, 2011. Hashtag improving mood movie titles by adding in my pants. Um, okay. I think I'm going to delete that one too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just scrubbing away here. This started out as me wanting to take you guys down memory lane, but now I'm like, um, we're still in 2011. I'm not going to go to the present because there's 27,000 tweets, but I'm trying to see if there's any like interesting any any sort of I gotta go all the way up past because I think for me I I use Twitter exclusively for baseball for a couple of years but then I began to kind of merge it with my personal opinions on things like politics and pop culture and TV and film with my my baseball commentary but I don't think that happened until until like probably after college like 2013 2014 um blah 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 oh my God all right this one's really bad jesus all right i found a bad one i found a bad one that one was not good so that one oh my gosh i am so surprised that i did not so there was this hashtag trending in august of 2011 it really makes me mad and i listed a bunch of stuff that made me mad that i should have kept to myself but this was 11 years ago and i did not have the judgment that i have now it really well. Here's one. It really makes me mad when your friends don't wish you a happy birthday on Facebook, right? Like when I was a, when I was younger, I used to, <laughs> I used to be very vigilant and attentive about that. Uh, it really makes me mad when your friends read your Facebook status, find it funny, and consciously choose not to like the status. Yeah, the, the stuff like this used to. When I was how old was I then? 2011, 19, 19 years old. This stuff would take me off. Uh, it really makes me mad when people can't make their own decisions or are influenced by others. Yep. All right. I am just scrubbing away. Um, really makes me mad that high school never ends ever. Popularity in high school is present in college too. If you're in a frat, you're cool. Yeah. Yeah, but why? But who cares? <laughs> who cares about that? Um, that one I might, you know, I'll leave those, whatever. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I usually <laughs> – this is embarrassing. Uh, I usually have one song every week that I play a thousand times until I go crazy. This week it's Skyscraper by Demi Lovato. Amazing song. Yikes. Um, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez broke up. I no longer believe in love. August 7th, 2011. Um, yeah, I mean I'm leaving I'm, – I'm not going to like delete all the, all the like embarrassing tweets. It's really just what um, – handful of things. 
this is my life and it's a video. When I click the video, nothing comes up. Why does the ATM dictate how much money I want to take out? If I want to take out $10, it should let me. Stupid $20 minimum. All right, finally. It took me like a couple years of tweets to get to some good commentaries. Uh, August 9th, 2011. WTF, uh, how does it cost $11 to mail an envelope at UPS? Hashtag highway robbery. Let's go. Um, all right. Set the cringe meter to like 10,000. August 9th, 2011. Oh my God, I have my first 100 followers. Only 8.7 million more until I have as many as Kim Kardashian or Miley Cyrus. Woo, I love you all. All right. That is cringy. Cringy. We're going to get rid of that. I know, Penny. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, it's only because it's the bonus episode. I can share this with listeners. Um, blah, blah, blah. The taste of pickles only always reminds me of eating a Big, Big Mac. I don't know why. August 10th, 2011. And in case you're wondering, guys, like I don't I, – <laughs> I like legitimately – I'm not – I legitimately, like, I don't use substances. Like, I, I didn't smoke pot in college or anything like that. So these were all made completely uh, sober. Okay, yeah, that one I'm going to delete. I'm going to delete that one. Um, yikes. All right. Fact, 90% of drivers check their phones at a red light. Isn't that crazy? August 10, 2011, uh, I tweeted that 90% of drivers check their phones at a red light. That that was a problem 11 years ago, and still, it's it's only gotten much worse. Now you see, you literally see people driving now, um, and you know, one hand they're watching the road, one hand, one hand on the steering wheel, one hand they're watching the, uh, they're checking their Instagram newsfeed. Um, I'm still in 2011. I think 2011, even though I made the account in 2010, um, 2011 is when I really stepped the tweeting up. Chocolate covered strawberries are so good. Um, Chuck Norris and I have something in common. We both drink caffeine to help us sleep. August 11, 2011. Why did I tweet so much? I think I have like literally like 300 tweets from August 8, 11, 2011. 8, 1, 1, 1, 1. Um, random, but Twitter's 160 character limit, although very annoying and makes me want to break something, is very necessary to keep things simple. It's gotten to the point where I come home in an attempt to keep my bird from hearing me. I play charades with my parents to talk to them. I think actually I think those are two separate tweets. Oh no, no, those are sorry, those are two separate tweets. The first tweet was whenever I get home late at night, my baby cockatoo hears my voice and starts crying to come out of the cage to play. It's gotten to the point where I come home and in an attempt to keep my bird from hearing me, I play charades with my parents to talk to them. I had a, a cockatoo, um, which for I think like five, six years, and she had extremely bad separation anxiety. Her name was Snowflake and Whenever, literally whenever she heard my voice, she had attachment to me specifically. Whenever she heard my voice, she would cry to come out of the cage. It got to the point where she would disturb the other birds and keep them up. And, you know, we we tried so much to to remediate the behavior. And eventually we ended up, um, uh, it was was really tough, but we ended up giving her away to a family friend and um, took her to a zoo in upstate New York, I think. Chappaquee or something? I don't know. Uh, then I mentioned the Twitter 160 count, 60, uh, 160 character limit, which no longer a thing anymore. Where are we? All right. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Replace movie titles with hoes. 500 hoes of summer. Yeah, see, I, uh, I, I really got into these fads. If she has a screen name with the letters XO in front of her name, hashtag she's too young for you, bro. Okay, literally, I'm still on August 11th. I got a new camera. I broke two Kodak Easy Shares three years ago and haven't got one since then. Um, time for a calculus pickup line. I don't like my current girlfriend. Mind if I do a U substitution? Hashtag bad pickup lines. I don't even remember U substitution. See, spent so much time doing calculus. 
reverses the chain rule for derivatives. I'm looking at this, and it looks like I'm seeing it for the first time. Integration v. substitution. Why did I... See, this is what I don't understand. Why did I take two years of calculus when I legitimately have never used it? I've never even looked at it since 2009, 2010. What was that? 12 years ago? Um, all right. I'm going to keep the bad pickup lines because I kind of think they're funny. Uh, I'm not going to scrub those. Um, blah, blah, blah. The straw is probably the most practical invention of all time. Um August 12th, 2011. Yeah, I I actually am – like I started doing this for fun and I'm going through and I'm like, wow, there's a lot here that I should not have – that should not have been a thing. August 13th, 2011, what a brutal, brutal night, running out of gas on the road and getting home at 1.30 a.m. Oh, well, pool party tomorrow. I really tweeted a lot. Um, all right, I'm going to jump out of 2011 because I feel like we're – my bird sneezed in my face. Uh, all right, so now, so now I don't really tweet about baseball anymore. Now it's just like my bird sneezed in my face. FML. Um, one thing I learned from all the shopping: going to changing rooms with clothes is incredibly awkward. August twenty third, twenty eleven. When I can't sleep, I shift to the other side of the bed. August twenty fourth. Why am I, I? I feel like every time I had a thought, I would tweet it. Um, when I was nineteen years old. Why do they call it toothpaste? We're not gluing anything to our teeth. August 24th, 2011. I feel like literally you read you read these and you're like, oh, was this guy like on something? Was he like high? Was he using what? No, this was literally – and it still is to some extent like me. I just – but but I had a lot of thoughts but I didn't – but you know like sometimes – I don't know. Like but this is before – really before Instagram and before um, we began outsourcing our memories to uh, to – um, to phones and, and anyway, it, it's kind of useful to remember these things. Like I tweeted August 26, 2011, my sister and I were at Quinnipiac during the freshman induction ceremony. We crashed the reception, blended in and stayed for the barbecue. I literally never would have remembered this memory had it not been for this tweet. And now I just vividly remember the entire thing. Um, I'm still in 2011. Jeez, that's a lot of tweets. All right, let's let's see if I can flash forward to 2012. Um, all day studying the library for two finals tomorrow. Time to buckle down, Ricky. Hashtag let's do it. There's nothing worse than pancakes without syrup. December 18th, 2011. See, this is exactly what I was talking about with, with cringy oversharing. What a successful semester. 4.0 GPA, Team A for mock trial. Yeah, I'm not going to read all this. It's cringy as hell. Um... All right, let's jump ahead to 2012. Oh, my God. All right, venting about very personal problems with my family. So I'm going to delete that. Um, nothing – what is this one? Nothing worse than a doctor with a horrible bedside manner. Hashtag thanks for nothing, you big dick. That's kind of funny. That was in April of 2012. Um I've had it with Blackberries. My newest one that I got three months ago is now broken. That's six to seven broken phones in two years. Hashtag so pissed. This is nuts. Heading back to my room at 7, 10 a.m. That's what I call a productive night of work. April 25th, 2012. Yeah, when I was in college, I um, I legitimately would stay up all night. It's it's, it's pretty pretty crazy. Stay, stay up past the sunrise just doing work. A lot of times just screwing around. Um, 
just had lunch with my favorite professor, one of the smartest teachers I've ever had. We spent a third of the lunch talking baseball, April 26, 2012. I remember that lunch. Um, <laughs> how to know when you're poor and insane. Your total CVS is 62 cents, and instead of breaking a dollar, you pay 35 cents in change and charge 25 cents to your debit card. Um, 27 cents. That's funny. May 18, 2012. Nope, nobody liked that or, uh, or favorited it. Um, what else we got here? I don't know. I don't know if, if I want to do this much longer. It's getting, it's getting, getting rough. And it's almost, it's almost like a little depressing just reading about this and combination of the cringe and I don't know. I feel like a big fish in a small ocean. May 30th, 2012. Monday, I start my first day as an intern, and I have jury duty in the same building. Hashtag, what are the odds? Um, 2013. February 16th, 2013. Yesterday, I had sushi for the second time in my life and shrimp for the first time in my life. My sister and my mom would be proud. Hashtag, trying new things. Um, rode a moped for the first time in my life today. This was February 17th, 2013. It's been a long time coming. Hashtag now all I need to do is buy one. Hashtag does someone have 1500 bucks I can borrow? Yeah, I was a big fan of like the hashtags that were full sentences. Um, then I went to Florida and I had a bunch of pictures and baseball. Um, oh, here's, here's another thing. I, I, used to, <laughs> I used to post quotes. It's better to be hated for what you are than loved for something you are not. February 24th, 2013. I love the quotes. Um, and of course, song lyrics. Please, would you one time let me be myself so I can shine with my own, own light? Let me be myself. Ah, uh, that was 90s. That Matchbox 20? Please. Would you, no, Three Doors Down. Classic, classic. Um, played a guy called Salamander in improv class today. A bipolar man who gets high to keep his anger in check. Hashtag I love that class. I did love improv. I can't believe that was nine years ago. Um... Some kid in the dining hall who I've never seen before asked if I was Ricky, and I said, yes. And he said, you're the man. Everyone says so. Hashtag made my night. Hashtag who was that? All right, now we're getting into – so I had the cringy phase and the overshare phase, and now we're getting into just the goofy and silly page. This is this is a little a little less less horrific. Um, then I had a picture, geese crossing in front of the court building. Hashtag I want to be a goose. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, wow. It's amazing. I talked about time, the passage of time um, a couple months ago with Lisa Broderick, one of the podcast episodes, and how um, I talked about how your, your life, there was research, I'm trying to remember now, but research that like because your brain is still growing and, and you're like the processing of visual stimulation uh, happens more slowly when you're a kid than an adult. That's why you're... Um, you remember that's why it feels like your that time moves more slowly when you're you know 14 to 18 than it does you know in your 20s and i'm looking at these tweets from when i was like 19 20 years old and um man there were there, there was a lot of life you know a lot of life in in that one or one or two years september 18 2013 eating tortellini for dinner the last time i had tortellini i threw up hashtag hope that doesn't happen again tonight Everyone needs to watch this video which shows her you were all wasting your lives. Is this the look up for your phone video? It might be. No, it's called The Time You Have in Jelly Beans. Uh, so
I might have to pull this down because of copyright, but let me see. Oh, this is really These are roughly twenty eight thousand eight hundred and thirty five jelly beans. I counted out five hundred of them and used those to weigh the rest. Wait, pause. I tweeted this about ten years ago, October first, twenty thirteen. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life, or maybe less, but on average, this is the time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years. 5,475 days, which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities. And another 720 days will go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages. Oh my God. Checking Facebook, playing softball. Yeah, guys, <laughs> that's a downer. I, uh, part of me almost hopes that gets flagged. Um, wow, that's heavy. That is, I tweeted that October 1st, 2013, 21 years old, and, um, Jesus, I real okay. I I need to. We need to wrap this podcast up on a positive note because that was, that was heavy, 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 heavy stuff. Um, maybe a couple more, a couple more silly tweets, and then we can wrap up because that's as if I didn't feel, <laughs> uh, you know, apprehensive enough about being thirty. That's that video, you know, kind of, kind of fucked me up a little bit. Um. Loving these steak, onion, pepper, and mozzarella subs. Did I really? I made myself five steak, onion, mozzarella subs, obsessed for dinner. That was my metabolism was unreal. Um, to the city of Newton, Massachusetts. How dare you guys give me a twenty-five dollar parking ticket for parking on a side street on the day of the Red Sox parade? There were hundreds of other cars that parked on that street, and mine was the only ticket in the windshield. I have enough bills to pay with utilities, rent, electric, not to mention food and gas for my car. I can't be paying arbitrary parking tickets too. <sighs> yep, yep. Typical angsty twenty-one-year-old me thinking that the city of Newton, Massachusetts, would reply, "We're so sorry for giving you that ticket." Let us know if there's anything else we can do to make your life a little bit easier. Um, th- then I got really into movies, and uh, 
the winter break 2013 started tweeting about Darren Aronofsky films. Um, I think we're just about 2014, so I'm going to wind up here. Memo to Connecticut, December 18, 2013. I love how 21-year-old Ricky thought that the state of Connecticut was going to read the tweets of a random college student uh, in Massachusetts. Memo to Connecticut, you have to plow the roads when it snows. Literally all the highways, not figuratively, literally all the highways, main roads of Connecticut were not plowed at all, and it led to some incredibly dangerous conditions there. Yet, when I got to New York, I couldn't even tell it snowed because the roads was, were all pr- the road were all plowed. The roads, Ricky, were all plowed. Hashtag get with the program, Connecticut. Hashtag seriously, though. Um, <laughs> you know, when you like read these, uh, acknowledging how cringy they are, it's actually more, more funny. I know it's very lame, but since age seven, I've kept the journal kind of keeping a record of everything going in my life. Rereading all of my entries from high school and the beginning of college leaves me with mixed feelings about the past, a lot of nostalgia, but also a lot of regrets. Um, overshare. Oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go. Kings Park, uh, that's that's where I grew up, um, schools did the right thing, changing the words to silent light. We have enough – we have something called separation of church and state in America, and singing about Jesus Christ in a public play violates the Supreme Court's lemon test because of excessive entanglement between church and state and the coercion test because it forces people not practicing Christianity to do so. Hashtag chill out, everybody. Hashtag KP did the right thing for once. Um, really funny. So that would be how many years? Five years before I go to law school. No, six years before I go to law school. I'm already articulating um, legal arguments on Twitter. Uh, then I have some tweets about Buffy. Um, wow, it feels like I watched the, uh, 42 recently, the uh, Jackie Robinson movie. It was really eight, nine years ago. That's crazy. Um, I don't even remember those those sneakers picture of a pair of sneakers I got. I don't even remember wearing them. 2013. My New Year's resolution for 2014 is to make a conscious effort to be less busy, always multitasking, checking my phone, immersed in social media. I deactivated email from my phone. Could be minimizing the amount of time I spend on the internet. Hashtag live your life. Um, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. Honestly, if like if this is not entertaining to you, just you could turn the podcast off. I'm, I'm going to keep keep going just for me. Just for me. I'm going to keep reading this. Another another anti-UPS tweet. UPS wants $12 each to mail two boxes at less than a pound. Hashtag, can you say right off? I really didn't like UPS. Um, oh, yeah, and then I went through a phase where I got like 30, 40 parking tickets in the span of a couple of months. I was in the post office earlier, three and a half minutes to mail a package, and I come back, and there's a bright orange note on my windshield. Hashtag, $25 parking ticket. Hashtag, such bad luck. Hashtag, FML. Kershaw will earn $900,000 per start. And 150000 per inning, assuming six innings per start. He'll earn more than an inning than 95% of Americans make in a year. So that was in January 2014. The reality is, um, I mean, inflation, I mean, the inflation for salaries and baseball players has gotten just ludicrous since then. So um, apparently barbecue is spelled barbecue, not barbecue with a, with a C instead of a U. Hashtag I've been doing it wrong. Hashtag 30 ni- Thursday night re- revelations in the library. Then I have pictures of my food. I really didn't know how to cook when uh, when I was 21. This chicken parm. I mean, it looks okay. But, uh, yeah. Here's this. There was a website that told you how much time you wasted on Facebook. So it said, so on January 29, 2014, I said, I've wasted over 30 days of my life on Facebook since November 2006. So in the span of those eight years. Hashtag no ways of that low. Hashtag expanded to be 100. Hashtag I need a life. 
I mean, imagine if, if people calculated the amount of time they've wasted on um on uh, Instagram. I mean, that's Jesus. This is this whole thing is very re- uh, revelatory. Um, oh, this is this is really funny. So my college, uh, you you guys probably don't know this unless you went to college with me. Um, there was a viral video back in like 2013 or 2014 of a turkey that flew into a dorm room window. Uh, and people were laughing about it for a long time. So, so I tweeted January 13, 2014, social justice warrior Ricky. I tweeted, a turkey flew into the third floor window of a dorm building today at my college. Uh, hashtag, I can't believe someone got this on video. And I know it's funny and ironic at all, but I really hope the turkey received medical attention. As a school that stands for social justice, it would be sick and inhumane to let a living creature fly through a window and bleed to death with shards of glass in its throat. Hashtag just saying. Actually, I kind of still agree. <laughs> Kind of still agree all these years later. Um, I, I, this is uh, February 2014. I withdrew $20 from a non-Bank of America ATM, and I was charged a $7.75 surcharge for it. Hashtag unjustifiable. Hashtag please explain yourself. BOA. Um, here's Can- Contrarian Ricky in full effect. I was really disappointed by Frozen. All that hype, and it was just another plotless Disney movie. Hashtag sorry, everyone. Hashtag didn't like it. Yeah, I did like it. I don't know why I was being... I was being such a contrarian. Um, I am Leo DiCaprio in The Departed. Hashtag awesome. What? I don't know. I don't think I don't think that that tracks. Observation of the day. People literally use the word literally, literally all the time. Even I do it literally. February twenty fourteen. You know what's funny is is going back through these tweets. Uh, some of the the phenomena that that were uh, prevalent in twenty fourteen are still, you know, eight years later. I mean, literally still a thing. <laughs> Uh, February 2014. I'm officially bored. I hope this isn't what life uh, after college is like. Really sad thought. Yeah, buddy. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's what life after law school is like too. Hmm. There's a lot of baseball tweets. Here we go. This weekend, I discovered Nutella at <laughs> the age of 22, and it makes everything taste better. Uh, peanut butter with Nutella for lunch. Hashtag croissants with Nutella for dessert. Wait, 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 wait. Do taxes really take away 40% of your paycheck? So earning 70K is like earning 42K, and earning 40K is like earning 24K. It's amazing that I was figuring this out so late. You know what's funny is if you ask 22-year-old Ricky about some of these tweets, he would probably... Um, and now we're getting to the end of uh, college. This is my graduation from school on Twitter. I do think that... Um, more so than photos or like videos, looking through my Twitter for me is as uh, just powerful, you know, uh, a walk down memory lane as, as anything else just because I did tweet so often and it did um, reveal so much. Uh, pictures of my birds, hello world, contemplating what, li- what lies behind these walls. You know what? I'm actually, I'm going to retweet this one because um, it's our birthday. It's actually my parrot Doobie's birthday today. I think she's 23. So I'm going to say, I'm just going to quote this. Happy 23rd birthday. <laughs> May 5th, 20, 2014, was able to name every teacher professor I've had from kindergarten and 12th grade and in all semest- all eight semesters of college. Uh, hashtag freak, freak of nature, hashtag memory book. I will say I've, I'm a bit like disappointed because my memory isn't what it used to be. Um, I used to pride myself on having almost an eidetic memory, and now, yeah, like I did an episode, a bonus episode with Adam, 
and uh, Adam Runitz and, and my sister, and I struggle to remember a lot of my my teachers. Um, I guess that's aging. Um, and there's a bunch of bunch of tweets. It's funny how, how uh, righteous and indignant I was on Twitter sometimes. One of the things I will not miss here is how rude people are about talking in the library and study spaces. Do you really need to ask me to be quiet every time I speak to someone? I hear people talking all the time in library and study spaces, and I don't go out of my way to tell them to shut up. Hashtag get a life. Hashtag on my soapbox. Um, whereas like in 20 I, – I think in, 20, in 2014, people felt more freedom to express and vent on social media. I think there's – you know, it's more judgment laden now and you're afraid of how things are perceived. So, but honestly, it's probably a change for the better because nobody needs to hear that. This is cute. I may be graduating from college, but I still spend Saturday nights laughing furiously at SpongeBob jokes with my friends. Hashtag never growing up. More complaints about parking tickets. Uh, I can't stand the smell of garbage in nearly every Brooklyn, Queens neighborhood that I visit. Maybe I'm just not cut out to live in a city. I feel like I need to take a shower as soon as I get home and that I need an oxygen tank after breathing this air. Am I crazy? May 22nd, 2014. Wow. Um, <laughs> ironically, I ended up living in Queens for five years after that. Um, to my credit, I, I haven't found uh, tweets that I need to delete really since like 2011, 2012. So looks like I, I was more careful. In the, in the succeeding years. Um, complaining about money, of course. All right, now we're past my college graduation. Now we're going to living in New York. More <laughs> more food that I cook, which was not nearly as good. It's funny. I, um, I'm looking at a picture right now. I almost wish you guys could see it. I posted a plate of pasta that I made with a massive roll and then an entire bottle of Pepsi in <laughs> a coffee mug. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. Times like these, I wish Taco Bell delivered. Should I call and ask if they'll make an exception for me? Hashtag number one customer. That's funny. Uh, Domino's. I'm trying to find things that haven't changed from when I was 22 to now, almost 30. Uh, ordering Domino's. Um, complaining about losing money to taxes. Quote from Boss. I think that's by Fifth Harmony. Uh, a meme of Nicki Minaj sitting on a public toilet. Um, picture of my car. More Dominoes. Now you know what you know what's interesting. I I remember the tweets and these experiences way more vividly from New York, um, in like 2014 than I do from college in 2014. Even though it's like a difference of a couple months. It's almost like I just feel like college was so distant. Uh, almost feels like a different person. And I also think that I and, – and I mentioned this in the way back in the beginning of the podcast. But I feel like I grew a lot living on my own in New York City. So I'm not the same person I was uh, back back in college. This is weird. Uh, clearly getting a lot of work done today. Hashtag TGIF. And then it just says my name is Carl and it's posted on my, posted on my forehead. I don't know why I did that, but that's kind of silly. Um, I've been in New York City for three and a half months. I'm pretty sure I've got early symptoms of hearing loss. Hashtag no joke. Hashtag too loud here. Uh, September 2014. Uh, yeah, my hearing, I, I don't know if I told you guys this on a pod. I, I, I must have, but my hearing has significantly deteriorated in the last, really in the last year. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's from the AirPods. Just, just, uh, obliterating 
my um my sense of hearing. I thought I had a lot of earwax in there. I went to the doctor. He he said he literally told me my, my primary care physician. He was like, Ricky, I've never seen someone with less earwax than you do. So that's comforting that I'll have to get a hearing aid in a couple of years. Um, Burger King closed because conditions are imminently perilous to life. Hashtag don't care. Hashtag I'd still eat there. September 2014. Okay. That's uh, – but honestly, like the, even the tweets are like less cringy, a bit funnier and like less abhorrent, <laughs> uh, you know, in when I was wor- in the working world and in college. Breakfast, and it's just a bowl of bacon. Um, and then when I worked at a, a big firm as a paralegal, I would post videos of my food all the time because I got I would stay late and be able to order, order seamless. Um, so now we're at the end of 2014. I was posting about shows that I watched at the time, and then here we go back into baseball. I just found <laughs> I just found out that the small yellow tube I was using as chopstick over the last few years is actually sunscreen. Hashtag no wonder it smelled so good. <laughs> um. Wow, I've been using the same panini maker for like the last 10 years. It might be time for a new one. Oh my God. <laughs> Why would anyone with a brain join a $90 a month gym when you can go to Planet Fitness for $10 for the same, if not a better overall experience? Promise, guys, this was, wasn't a sponsored ad. That was me in November 2014. Uh, the cutest thing I've seen in a long time makes me want to adopt a puppy. Little did I know that I would be adopting a puppy seven years after that. Taco Bell tweets, um, Taylor Swift tweets. And then I, I went through a phase where I started posting uh, screenshots of the books I was reading, which I think a lot of people do now as well. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll leave off here because I've been. It looks like I posted a poem around Christmas 2014. A reminder to take a look around every once in a while and enjoy your life. Um, the poem is by anonymous. It was submitted by Nicole Zeblocki. It's called "I Was Dying." First, I was dying to finish high school and start college. And then I was dying to finish college and start working. And then I was dying to marry and have children. And then I was dying for my children to grow old enough for school so I could return to work. And then I was dying to retire. And now I'm dying. And suddenly I realize I forgot to live. Um, so I think what the last two hours of this, this walk down memory lane have, have showed me, uh, as I reflect, <laughs> bringing it full circle, as I reflect on 2021, and look forward to 2022 is that, uh, God, time is, is so fleeting. And um, I just think about that jelly bean, the jelly bean experiment, like how many days we have. And it just makes me, I don't know. It just, we just don't have a lot of time. Um, so, so appreciate the good days when you get them, I guess is my, is my message to all of you. Um, so to everyone listening, I wish you all, I know I'm, I'm a couple weeks late, but wish you all a very happy new year. Good health in 2022. I'm looking out my windows and I just realized Penny smudged. She, she likes to look out the window and she, with her paws and her, she licked and smudging. So I'm going to hop off and, and went furiously went next to the windows. But I wish you all happy, a healthy, uh, peaceful restorative restful 2022 hope we never have to hear the word pandemic again and uh and thanks as always like thanks for thanks for listening to the pod if you if you've come this far then i appreciate your i appreciate you like coming with me on this on this journey this bonus episode uh kind of heavy kind of heavy 
um, pensive, reflective bonus episode, but have lots of really, really fun and exciting interviews and guests lined up for the next couple of months. Um, so keep it locked here on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or uh, I don't know if anyone listens with Amazon Music or Google Music, Google Podcasts or anything, but if you listen with them, keep doing your thing. Um, and yeah, follow, as always, follow on uh, Instagram, socials, YouTube. I'll post some more, more YouTube videos. Uh, rate and uh, review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. It would mean a lot. And I think that's it. I think that's a wrap. So take care and stay nervous. Bye, guys. Goodbye.